Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You may be seated for a little bit. Um, and you can go to Acts 10, chapter, uh, verse 38. If any of you have the uh, cards, if you'd hand those to me before you leave, that, before we leave today, that'd be great. I, I have uh, two so far, but I know there's more. Um, Acts 10:38, as we begin, the Lord anointed Jesus with the power of the Holy Ghost to heal the sick, set the captives free, and deliver the oppressed. It's a very powerful scripture. And this part, part two, we're talking about how to become a healer, how that actually happens. So because I have a lot of information, this is a 12-part series, which if you want to get that, once again, you can go to my app on your app store, and it'll be up in the next two weeks, and that's 12 uh, hours of detailed teaching on this, and, and those CDs or those teachings are $2 a piece. So you can just download them right onto your uh, device, whatever your device may be. It'll just download right, right onto it. Praise the Lord. Okay. And that's the easiest way to get it and the most inexpensive. If you get the CDs, they're about $7 a piece. You, you want to do that, that's up to you. But, you know, downloading it is just so much cheaper. And you have all that information on there. And we have many other things on there like that as well. And are adding constantly. Uh, so how to become a healer. This is a very important issue for your life. And so uh, we covered a few things this morning. We covered about five or six things this morning. Wounds, hurts, bitterness, trauma, uh, painful memories, and I believe that was it. So, uh, and sick ideas. So we covered six things out of 15 things. Uh, so I'm not gonna be able to go through all those and all that, but I will, like I said, if any of you are interested in doing the detailed uh, study that I recommend it so that you can become a full total healer. Just remember that your happiness is at stake in my personal opinion of 46 years of doing this. That happiness is the fruit of you having supernatural powers to heal broken people. That is what's really going to make you complete and happy. Praise the Lord because it's why you were created. It's why we're saved, and it's why you, uh, you know, should really, really work hard on this and follow it through and not take it lightly. The danger to this becoming a reality for you falls into several categories. One, false contentment. So once you're content with what you have, no matter what it is, your journey ends. So your journey ends at the point of contentment. Contentment makes you stop doing things, and it makes you dwell in that contentment. So there's bad contentment, contentment that is not of the Holy Spirit and does not come from God. Most people in church have that. They have that false contentment. That's why they don't win souls. That's why they don't do what every Christian is supposed to do. 
That's why they skip church on a regular basis. That's why they don't have uh, mentoring in their life. That's why they don't read the Bible. If you go to Barna Research, which in Christian circles, Barna is one of the top researchers, you can find and you can look it up there that 80% of people that go to church don't have the same worldview that the Bible has. They get their worldview from humanism and other philosophies and other ideas that actually don't come from the Bible. So if everybody that was a Christian had the same ideas that the Bible has, then we would be the most powerful force on planet Earth. 50% of Christians think it's okay to have abortions, and the other 50% don't. Well, you'd have to read your Bible to see what God thinks, and then as a true Christian, you would, of course, conform to God's idea. Praise the Lord. And so not all Christians believe that either. And only 17% of Christians actually believe that the Bible is God's written, given by God to man, inerrant word of God. 17%. 17%. Other statistics like that, which like I said, you can confirm them by looking them up for yourself. But uh, when he describes, for example, he describes, uh, what's the name he gives them? Engaged Bible readers. That's what he called them. And it says what the definition of an engaged Bible reader is that there. And the, the definition is a person who reads the Bible at least four times a year. Four times a year. Praise the Lord. So when I'm talking about this tonight, you becoming a healer, I'm not talking about la-la land or fairies or, you know, nymphs or some kind of twinkle, twinkle little star. I mean, I'm talking about the divine powers of God flowing out of you to heal and restore people's lives, where you can have miracles following you around without having to be a minister of any kind, just a normal believer with whatever job you have and whatever you do. This is the ideal and the highest thing we could have is everybody in the church being healers. That would be the most powerful thing and the most productive and the biggest blessing for the church. Praise the Lord. But we do have a sleeping church and we also have a church that's in a Bible famine. And uh, that's a whole nother message. But I just want everybody to to get that in your heart. So we went over wounds, hurts, bitterness, trauma, sick ideas, and painful memories. Then uh, we, and nightmares. So we have uh, personality healings. We have inner addictions. We have twisted desires. We have sexual abuse. We have betrayal. We have brokenheartedness. We have taking other people's hurts and wounds on yourself or people that you love that have been hurt by other people and you pick up that pain and take it into yourself. That happens a lot to a lot of us. Then there's the pain of failure. You failing someone you love breaks your heart. It breaks your heart when you love someone and fail them. That brings pain also. You gotta be healed from all of those things. And then uh, shame and guilt and all the things that come with shame and guilt for the sins you've done that you're ashamed of and the sexual sins you've committed that you might be ashamed of, whatever those may be in whatever areas. Then there's a whole realm of pornography. 
uh, and you can look this statistic up for yourself. So almost 70% of Christian men are addicted to pornography and almost 42% of women are addicted to pornography. These things have to be healed in your life. Then you have demonic uh, presence that you actually have to be healed and delivered from. You have curses, you have iniquities which are in your DNA that you have to be healed of. You have the whole realm of witchcraft that you have to be healed from. Witchcraft being personality people who dominate you, bully you, intimidate you, control you, put blackmail on you, emotional blackmail, psychological blackmail, and blackmail you with threats, insinuations, and ultimatums. This is all witchcraft. And so all of this kind of stuff, and control and manipulate people through their emotions, whether it's explosive emotions or self-pity or victimized or feeling unloved or accusing you, slandering all things, telling you you don't love them, all the different things. All that is witchcraft. You have to be healed of these things as well. Praise God. I'm just going over it maybe to whet your appetite to understand there's a big, there's a lot for you to enter into that perhaps you haven't even touched the hem of the garment yet that maybe God wants you to have in your life. Praise the Lord. So all of those things, then you have people problems, uh, many, many things in that realm, rejection and then abandonment and then loss. Loss is anything you've lost that's broken your heart. You got to get healed of that. It doesn't just go away on its own. Praise the Lord. Some things are felt very deeply by some people, and they never recover all the way to their death. And so that's not supposed to be that way for you and me who are believers and who actually believe that Jesus paid the price for us to be made totally whole from all damage. Amen? Tell that to somebody. Totally whole from all damage. And give somebody a high five and say, praise God. Okay, so uh, let's talk about how you become a healer. And let me give you general things on that because, again, because of time, I won't be able to get into all the details. But I'm going to give you enough to have a lot of wonderful information for you to begin to work on. Number one, you should pray and ask God to give you a heart of compassion because that is the number one secret of all healing of any kind. Compassion is the ability to feel other people's pain. That's what compassion is. And you can never trust a person you, you, that doesn't feel your pain. So if you're in a relationship with a human being who does not feel your pain, they're going to then be the source of your pain sooner or later. So to be with a person who actually has compassion is to be in the presence of a medicine. People with compassion are medicine. Someone who is tender towards your feelings and aware of what you're going through and has compassion on you will reach out and do whatever it takes to get you healed. And that's what you want to ask God to give you is a heart of compassion. You either have it or you don't have it. Two, if you're going to become a healer, you're going to need supernatural help, which will require two things. One is fasting. Two is pinpointing the gifts you actually want and asking God for those gifts. I'll outline many of those tonight. Three, pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. Spend a lot of time praying in the Holy Spirit because what that does is it sharpens your spirit man. Remember that you have a body, a soul, and a spirit. So here's basically in a nutshell how, how it works. Whoever you are here tonight, you are ruled by either your body. Your body ruled means that you're a person who literally lives their life based on their physical appetites. Your physical appetites and the things that come from your body 
the urges, appetites, hungers, lusts, wants of your physical body rule your life. So that brings a lot of judgment into your life. A lot of judgment. Because with all of those wants and desires and urges and impulses, you're defying the path of light and have to walk in darkness because your body is not under the control of the Holy Spirit. When it is in charge, it is under the control of your Adamic nature. Two, you have soul-dominated people who are ruled by their mind, will, and emotions. Those three things dominate their life, and that's what rules them, and they make their choices from those three realms. You have very few people who are ruled by the, their spirit, which is what you're supposed to be ruled by, which is your conscience, intuition, and communion with God. So those three levels should dominate the soul and dominate the body. When your spirit dominates your soul and dominates your spirit, you make the right choices, you live the right life, and you end up having the right experiences because you're being led by the Holy Spirit because your spirit is stronger than your mind, will, and emotions and stronger than your body, appetites, lusts, wants, desires, urges, addictions, and all of those kind of things. Praise the Lord. So you wanting to be a great Christian and be happy, well, you can if your body ruled and you can't if your soul ruled. You can only do it if your spirit ruled. And the only way your spirit becomes stronger than your soul and your body is by praying in the Holy Ghost a lot. Because that, the Bible says, Jude 20, verse 24, that you build up or build up your inner man, your literal inner man is empowered and strengthened with power and might and wisdom and revelation. Praise the Lord. Next, if you want to become a healer, you need to ask the hard questions. A person who has hard, asks hard questions will always get truthful answers from God. If you ask God a, a wrong question, he will not answer you. So you need to ask God questions that he will answer. And those are hard questions like this one. How many people have you led to Jesus since you've been saved? This is a hard question, okay? If you've been saved 30 or 40 years and have not led anybody personally to Jesus outside of the church building, led nobody to Jesus outside of the church building, this is a mismanagement of your Christianity because there is no way that Jesus would tell any Christian to not share the gospel with the lost. Therefore, you are not in obedience to the Holy Spirit. You're in disobedience, and therefore, you're having experiences that God never planned for you to have. Wow. That's good. This is a hard question, but it deserves the truth as the answer. When you ask hard questions and don't lie to yourself and appease yourself, then you realize, well, wait, I haven't laid hands on any strangers at any grocery stores or anywhere, ever. This is mismanagement of your Christianity. Well, I haven't gotten anybody born again, as far as I know, in the last 20 or 30 years. Then you're living in an isolated cocoon of something, but not where God wants you to be. Because, of course, Jesus, if you have fellowship with him, the first thing he's going to do is train you how to get people out of hell because God loves everybody and he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He certainly doesn't want any of the family members that you have to go to hell. And you may be the only one in the entire family with a lifesaver and with the light. So there's many other things as well. You have to purge yourself of selfishness. 
you have to change the routine and direction and focus of your life. These are all important things. You have to learn the power of the victories of Calvary and what Jesus did. And these are just a few. There's many, many more, but those are a few things. If you just did those, you would activate many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are either buried inside you tonight or you don't have that God wants you to have. Praise the Lord. Let's go over what a healer is very quick. So I'm giving you three parts now on part two. So a healer, number one. So a healer is a hospital. So say that out loud, I am a hospital. So you are a potential hospital for people to check into. Now, you don't want to be the kind of person that when they check into the hospital, they find out they checked into an insane asylum. Amen. Right? You don't want to be that kind of Christian. They, they get near you and they go crazy because you're crazy. So remember what I said this morning, a sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. So you have to go to Jesus in prayer and say, God, I, I want to get healed of all these, all these issues because I want to heal people through my life. I want to be a healer. It's the purpose of my existence. Okay? And, of course, the greatest curse you can have is laziness. Laziness and indifference. Those are the big curses. Indifference is I don't care. Whatever happens to anybody, I'm getting mine. That's a curse. It's a very terrible curse. Laziness is just being too lazy to do anything about anything and just going back to dead routines and watching TV till you die while you eat. These are curses. Not wrong to watch TV, not wrong to eat. But when you don't, but when it steals from you your sacred time, that God has given you to develop your gifts, then it becomes a curse to your life. And of course, most homes are now 95% dominated by their TV, 95%. Most homes have three to four TVs in them where the children have their own TVs, the parents each have their own TVs. And if they only have one TV, whoever controls the clicker runs the house. That's who the boss is of the house. Whoever runs that, that clicker, they're the boss. So the people say, well, I'm the boss. Well, no, I'm the boss. Okay, you get your own tea. Okay, I get mine. And so you got people all spread all over the place. Praise the Lord. Amen. So think about that. For God to make you a healer and to empower you and to give you the powers of the Holy Spirit, there are certain positions you must place yourself in. You must go to church on a regular basis because there's an anointing you only get from going to church. You don't get it anywhere else. Only church can give you the corporate anointing of healing. You can get healing things by yourself. But once you become an active member of a church, now you're being given the anointing on the church, whatever that anointing or anointings are. And you will see progress in your life right away. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So a healer is a hospital. Everybody said, I am a hospital, not an insane asylum. Okay. You are a cure. Say it out loud. I'm a cure. This is what you are as a healer. You cure things. You're not supposed to be a disease. And some people that are called Christians are diseases. 
you get around them and get sick. These are really messed up people who do not surrender to the Holy Spirit. So say it, I am a cure, not a disease. I am a divine appointment. Praise God. They, when they meet you, they're meeting a divine appointment. Their divine appointment is you. You are their divine appointment for that day. They may not know it, and this is not a matter of arrogance or pride. It's a matter of revelation based on destiny. So you say, okay, everybody I meet today, I'm their divine appointment. And so while you're, you're meet, meeting people, you realize, what do you want me to do? What is the strategy here, God? What is it that, how do I reach this soul? Do I have access to that soul? Do I have a way of getting to the the root of that soul, because in many cases, because of the circumstances, that will not be possible. You are a divine appointment. Say it out loud. Praise God. You're not people's disaster, hurricane, volcano, or tornado. People shouldn't see you coming and have to pray in tongues. Oh my gosh, here they come. That should not happen. Right? People should not be afraid of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Harmless as a dove, wise as a serpent. If you scare people, and if nine people that you know have the same bad idea about you and none of them know each other, you have a problem. And you have to say, God, I need to be healed because I'm scaring everybody to death. Nobody is, wants to be around me because I intimidate everybody. Please help me, Jesus. Because you're not going to be a healer if you're practicing witchcraft without knowing it. Yes, Jesus should, should be a gentleness coming out of you and a lack of intimidation flowing out of you. You shouldn't be terrorizing all Christian people on earth. Praise God. Say these words. I am, and this is really important, I am a home for the weary and lonely. I'm not an orphanage. I'm a home. I'm family. This is what you bring to the table, is you, when you're a healer, Make people who have no home, make orphans feel like they now have a family. Praise the Lord, like Lori's done. And like people that do what we do, do. Praise the Lord. You're people's home. You're not someplace people just come in as an institution. You're a family giver. This is part of, of healing. Say it, I'm a deliverer and a chain breaker. I break chains, and I set people free. Praise the Lord. This is part of being a healer. Say, I'm a conduit. The Holy Spirit flows through me. I heal people with verbal language, and I heal people with gestures, insinuations, and direct commands, because the Holy Spirit flows out of my life like an unstoppable river. Everybody say it, hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Okay, so many other things that, 
that we can go into in, in uh, what is a healer, but that's a general kind of overview of that. Many more details you can get into that. But I just want you to know that as a healer, it's very important to know how this all works, okay? Let's go into part three now, and let me begin to try and explain to you um, all of these different things. Praise the Lord. Um, so, number one and most important, and, and I want everybody to kind of get this, uh, be real, real clear about this, is the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and this is information many of you have heard, but you can read it on your own. Uh, it talks about nine gifts of the Spirit. Everybody knows those. Let's talk about those nine gifts. You may not know about these. So you have the verbal gifts, which are prophecy, interpretation of tongues, word of uh, wisdom. So you have these kind of gifts. You have revelation gifts, which, you know, uh, word of uh, knowledge. You have uh, discerning of spirits. You have the gift of uh, healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of faith. So nine in total, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So all of these are nine gifts that the Bible talks about are given to people. I want to give you something new today that you have not possibly considered. But from my observations of being a Christian, this is how I see it working. Okay? So uh, you have those nine gifts. And in those nine gifts, very important that God is going to give you one, two, three, four, five, or six. Maybe more. Most of you, one. Some of you, two. Some of you, three, four, and five of those gifts. The secret is that everybody is stuck on having those gifts function the same in everybody. This is a mistake because not everybody is a preacher. And so all the people that are not preachers don't know how to function in their gifts because they're not preachers. They don't have a pulpit. They're not standing in front of people. They don't get to prophesy to people, get discerning of spirits, cast out demons. They don't get to operate in the gift of healing or gift of miracles unless they're at church or something like that. So they don't have opportunity, and they think the only way to ever do any of that is I've got to be a preacher. But no, you don't have to be a preacher. And, and my advice is not to be a preacher unless God calls you to be a preacher because it's, it'll kill you. Not everybody's gifted to be a pastor or a prophet or a, an apostle or a teacher or an evangelist. But everybody's called to win souls. And from many of you that do win souls, you will become an evangelist because you are called into one of those five gifts. Those are the office's gifts. And the office gifts don't work like all the other gifts. And I'm telling you, the office gifts require education and mentoring and waiting years of waiting. You don't just become a po an apostle overnight. Pastoring, pe many people start pastoring at all kinds of ages. They're associate pastors. I know many father and son teams and things like that. They start young, they're raised up, they're mentored, they become that. But not everybody's going to do that. And an apostle is a person who has a gift to just multiply churches and build things all over the world. And it just, they can just do it easily. And it's their, it's their gift. And there's many other definitions for that. And a prophet is even more intense 
because it's a person who can actually see things and hear God say things. It's pretty heavy duty. So you don't just become that overnight. And you can't just put the title on your forehead and walk in a church one day and say, Pastor, I'm a prophet. You better let me say what I want or I'm going to curse the church and it'll dry up. Well, that's witchcraft. And that's what people do when they try to enter a fivefold gift prematurely is they enter witchcraft. Yeah, the fivefold gifts are something that is identified by other fivefold gifts. It's not something you put on your own self. You don't ever call yourself anything. You let people who are already those things call you that because they'll identify. They'll say, yes, you are what we are. The Spirit of God is going to move through you in a way he doesn't move through other people. It'll be spectacular and amazing. So get that into your head. You are not me. You do not need to be me. You may be a car salesman. And that's where God will move through you. For example, my oldest brother, who was an alcoholic and just fall down drunk since he was a young boy, he told me he started drinking when he was nine years old. Now, I never saw him drunk, ever. I didn't even know he was a drunk. So for 12 years... I would meet, see my brother and say, you're going to be an evangelist. And he goes, why do you keep telling me that? I'm a drunk. I'm, a, I'm an addicted golfer drunk. All he did is play golf and get drunk. And he was a car salesman. Really good. So I tell him that for years. One night, after 12 years, one night I get a phone call, 2, 3 in the morning, whatever it was, and I wasn't too happy about it. And I said, I said, what? To whoever it was. I didn't even know who it was. I just wasn't happy that they called me at 2 or 3 in the morning. I thought that was very selfish and insensitive. I said, what? And I heard his voice on the other side. He said, it's me. I said, why are you calling me at 2 or 3 in the morning? He said, because I couldn't sleep. I was watching TV. And I watched this. There was a preacher on there named Shamrock. I said, Shamrock? You mean Shambach? Yeah, 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 him. Screams, yells, says crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, I did it. I said, you did what? I got on my knees. I got saved. I asked Jesus. I did everything he told me to do. But I can't stop speaking these funny words. What's this coming out of my mouth? And he starts speaking in tongues. Over the phone. That changed my attitude right real quick. <laughs> so my brother led more people to Jesus selling cars we'd be at a restaurant and he would just stand up and start going table to table hugging people smiling greeting people you need jesus in your life that's what's going to make you happy and they'd go oh okay because they knew him from selling cars and he'd been in the same town all his life so he just knew everybody my mother had a clothing store for women she worked there since she was 17 years old. She gets saved and doesn't go out preaching or doing anything. No. All the women would come to her, and while she's dressing them in the dressing room, they'd say, why are you so happy? 
She says, because my son told me about Jesus Christ and what he did for me, how he died for me, and my sins are all gone, and I'm free, and I'm, I, I sleep better, and I do all that. And they go, really? What, what, what did you have to do while they're changing clothes? We're talking Jewish women. We're talking every kind of lost person that you can imagine. All kinds of women went in there, and she did it for years and years and years and years. So there's no excuse for you not to be amazing. Amen. Praise the Lord. And well, I'm just at home with my children. Well, just believe God that he'll bring you somebody or do whatever you got to do with those children and make them world changers. Praise the Lord. But you got something. You got something to offer. Amen. Okay, so in, in these things that we're talking about, uh, a beautiful scripture, Matthew 10, 8, Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. Freely without pay you have received, freely without charge give. That's the general call to all of us, that we're supposed to be healers. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go into the last part of types of healers so you can get an idea. We have the nine gifts of the Spirit. You have those? You got that? Found in chapter 12 and 14. You can read about them there. Okay? You have prophecy. You have word of wisdom. You have word of knowledge. You have tongues. You have interpretation of tongues. You have um, faith. You have healing. And you have miracles. You have tongues. And tongues are not the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, anyone can have and you have a prayer language. The gift of tongues is many languages, not just one, but many. Praise the Lord. So that's how you know you have that gift, and some people have it. I happen to be one of them, but that's gifts that you, that you have, and so you can pray or prophesy in many different languages, many, 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 many different languages. And so you get interpretations for those things as well. This convinces the lost that there is a God and he works supernaturally. Well, the word of knowledge is very powerful because if you can tell people what's going on in their life, this is very powerful. Word of wisdom is amazing because it solves any unsolvable problem with one phrase. An example is Jesus, they bring the woman caught in adultery and the law was very clear. If you catch a woman in adultery, you have to stone her. So all the Pharisees had their rocks in their hands to stone her and him. When he said, don't do it, they were going to stone him for blasphemy. But word of wisdom said to him, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Now he puts it back on them because they have to, in order to kill him and kill her, they have to say they're sinless. And to say you're sinless, only God is sinless, is blasphemy, and they would get stoned. Do you see that? That's called the word of wisdom. Praise the Lord. Prophecy at many levels of prophecy, you have, you have that. You have, you know, uh, the gift of faith, which is supernatural. You can believe God for anything. You have the gift of healing, which is uh, you lay hands on people and they get healed within a period of time, immediately or slowly or over a period of time. And then you have the gift of miracles, which is instantaneous recovery right on the spot. No waiting at all, whatever the problem is. Amen. Praise God. What is it you are attracted to? What would you like God to use you to do? Would you like to walk up to people and know what's going on 
and then lead them to Jesus and get them saved or pray for something wrong in their body and, and watch God heal it? Or do you want to pull people out of wheelchairs, lay hands on blind eyes and watch them open? Or whatever amazing miracles are going to happen? Because Jesus said, if what I've done, you're going to do an even greater things than these. And look at all the things that Jesus did. Praise the Lord. You have a lot to look forward to. Unless you're lazy or indifferent. Praise God. Or you're covered in guilt and shame and don't believe God will ever use you. Understand that God will use a donkey. Not because he loves the donkey, but he loves the sick person. And whoever's around and available, he will use them. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay with that person. It just means that he will use whoever has faith to be used. Praise the Lord. Turn to nine people and say, holla, holla. Give somebody a high five and say, man, God is talking to you. Say, God is talking to you. Let's go through many different healing lives. So you have the healing gifts. Now you have the healing lives. These are lives you can live where one of those or several of those gifts are implanted into that area. I gave you the hospitality healer. I gave you the personality healer. I gave you the entrepreneur healer. I gave you the singing healer, so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. Now, there have been cases where little children, for example, will start singing a song and everybody lost will get saved because God put inside of the little child in their voice, he put the healing gift or the salvation gift or the gift of evangelism in their voice. So when people hear them sing, they want to get saved. Wow. They don't know why they want to get saved. They just know they do. For example... Darlene Check, when she was leading Hillsong, when she sang, everybody just wanted to worship God because it was one of her life healing gifts is to lead worship. Many people can lead worship and you will fall asleep. But when a person has a gift in their worship leading, it literally opens heaven and you just go to heaven. You can have a healing gift in playing music. Just playing an instrument will heal people. Phil Driscoll can play the trumpet and all kinds of healings and miracles take place. There are many great musicians. You can go to any orchestra or symphony and hear them, but you're not going to get healed of cancer or blind eyes or brokenheartedness. But if a person plays an instrument with great skill, plus they have the gifts of healing or miracles or, or whatever else is in there, and that music comes, well, the notes go into your body and begin to heal it and repair you. And people have been known to walk out of wheelchairs while people were playing an instrument because of the healing power in the instrument. Praise the Lord. What if you're a nurse? Well, that's a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous opportunity because you don't even have to ask permission from the people. Amen. You can actually pray for people to get healed and they get healed and don't know how they got healed. But you were in the room and prayed for them and they got healed. Or are you going to ask them? Do you have a, a minister? Do you want us to bring a minister? Oh, no, yeah, I go to this church. Oh, so you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, you want me to pray for you? Yeah, I want you to pray for me. Okay, boom. Praise the Lord. I went to a hospital. A lady calls me. I didn't know her well. 
Uh, and she said, I'd like you to come to the hospital and pray for my husband. He's in a coma, and he's been in it for three days, and they told me he's never coming out. He's going to die. He's got fourth stage cancer or whatever. I go to the hospital. I pray for the gentleman. Felt nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing dramatic. The bed didn't shake. The man didn't wake up. I didn't feel the power of God. Nothing. I went home. I get a call the next morning, a frantic woman screaming and yelling. I said, well, who are you? Well, you prayed for my husband last night. I said, I know. He woke up this morning. He had a dream, and in the dream, Jesus told him, you need to wake up and get saved. Because you're going to hell if you don't. So they had been married for 30-something years. And the Lord had promised her that he would, he would get saved, and they would live together as Christians. So he wakes up, gets saved, gets healed, totally healed, walks out of the hospital with the wife, and then they live another however many years, 10, 20, whatever it was, as husband and wife Christians. I'm in a church. I, I don't know anybody, and I saw a woman in the back, and I said, ma'am, over there, would you stand up? I said, ma'am, I don't know you, do I? Did we have a conversation? I said, I'm just hearing you've got fourth-stage cancer. She's weeping while I'm talking. I said, ma'am, you're healed. I left. I came back the next year. A woman walks up to me, says, do you remember me? I said, no, ma'am, I don't remember you. I don't know you. Yeah, you called me out, said I had fourth-stage cancer. I said, no, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm totally healed, completely healed. She said, I, I had test after test after test after test because my doctors did not believe it. Test after test after test. When it was all said and done, I had eight doctors. I got them all in there, and I said, would you sign this affidavit that I am no longer sick? They said, yes, we will. And would you write on there how that happened? Whatever you think it is. They have a name for, like, miracles now. They don't call them miracles. They call them some other names. It's like a medical name that they've invented for when, they, when people get healed and just walk out, and, and they don't know what to say. So they wrote whatever that is in there. And then they, she said, now, can I have permission from the administrator? She went and talked to him. Can I have permission to talk to any, any patients that are terminal? Not, I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want to show them this paper and ask him if I can pray for him. So she goes in there, and over a period of time, 30, 40, 50 people, whatever it is, get saved. I don't know how many got healed. She didn't tell me that, but, but that opened the door. Amen. Think about that in your life. Think about how many things in your life are boring and how much more exciting your life can be if you will just believe that God can give you the supernatural gifts and powers of his Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go over some things. So you have the prayer gifts. There are actual gifts that will heal people of prayer. You have general prayer, which is you just go over there and pray for a person, and God gives you that gift of praying for people. You're never going to preach. You just go pray for people. It's your gift, and you love doing it. And many people get healed, and nobody ever knows your name. You die, and when you get to heaven, all the angels are waiting with thousands of people, and they all start clapping. Because you did what God called you to do. And hundreds and possibly thousands of human beings were saved in your secret life of praying for people secretly with no one having to know. 
you have then the supernatural healing gift of intercession. Intercession is not just somebody out of willpower going over there and speaking in tongues for 30 minutes while they watch their clock. Okay, that's not the gift of intercession. That's just somebody wanting to intercede and, and, and just doing it. Intercession is not just something you go do at a meeting. It's something you are. You literally are standing next to a person and begin to intercede for the person. It's on you all the time. I know because I have it. You just get next to a person and you just start praying and they start reacting to your prayer. I first saw this work in my life while I was in high school. I was just saved. I was about 18 years old and the basketball team was going to a, a game. And by this time, most of the whole team was saved and most of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the football team, not the basketball team. The basketball team, uh, this, I was just, we were just starting this, and the fella in front of me uh, started acting like he was sick. And so the spirit of intercession came on me. I put my hand on him, and I started praying in the Holy Ghost out loud, and everybody could hear me. And he starts throwing up, getting delivered on the, on the, on the bus. He gets totally healed right on the spot. He said, wow, I feel better. And he starts cussing because he's not saved. But that man within a month got saved and is saved today. I just saw him in January. Served God all these years, tells that story to everybody, says it changed my entire destiny and life. I am a man of God today because of that prayer that went through my body. I could actually feel it going through my body. Intercession. Praise the Lord. You may have the gift of prayer that allows you to get on your knees and, and you just start seeing pictures of people's faces. This is a very deep intercession. And you do this in private, at home. And it's very powerful. Then there are many other levels of that as well, but because of time, I'm just trying to cover a variety of things. Praise God. So um, then you have the paymaster's gift. A paymaster is a person given the gift to make money and pay off pe people's debts. Paymasters are what every church needs and all ministries need. People who are in the church who have money, whose job it is to pay off debts. That's what their gift is. They, because remember that, that money is the 10th gift. Because money creates miracles. All you have to do is pay off a church and you've created a miracle for that church. Now they can build something else and do more for God. I require paymasters like Pastor Jack requires paymasters to build all the things that I must build that require millions of dollars. I have to have people write me checks for 100, 200, 300, 400,000 dollars in order for me to fulfill the ministry that I have. It takes millions of dollars a year for me to run the ministry I have. I have over 100 employees. You can understand that it requires millions of dollars. And paymasters make those things happen. People who go out there, nobody ever knows who they are. They have their businesses. They have their jobs. They raise their money. Then God speaks to their heart and they write the checks and pay off stuff everywhere they go. 
and make people's dreams come true. Like little Suseli, I have to rely on the paymasters out there who are willing to do $50 a month to be able to pay for her room and board. I had to rely on that to pay for the year of school. And two churches rose up and said, because it was 12 or 13,000, they said, we'll pay half. And the other one said, we'll pay the other half. And there it is. Praise the Lord. And that's how it works. You may have that gift. I hope you do because everybody wants it. Turn to three people and say, I want to be a millionaire. Hey, remember, don't be shy about asking for money. Don't be shy about it. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I, I, I need money. I need millions of dollars. What would you do with millions of dollars? You would bless people if you're a paymaster. If you're not a paymaster, you tell everybody to go jump in the lake, disappear, and nobody would ever see you again. But a paymaster, when they have money, all they see is healing. That's all they see. I'm going to take care of all those orphans. I'm going to take care of that church. I'm going to take care of that pastor. I'm going to pay that pastor's house off. So I'm praying for the payment of houses, for people to have their homes paid off. I pray over the pastor. I said, somebody's going to pay your house off. Boom, boom, boom. I come back the next year. He says, Ivan, we're having dinner. He says, a man came up to me, and um, he didn't pay my house off. He gave me a house. And I hate it. I said, you hate the house? Is it like rotten and all that? He said, no, it's worth almost $3 million. It's got a swimming pool and it's on a golf course. But I can't get my wife out of it. I like my old house. I said, are you complaining about God giving you a $3 million house? He said, yeah. I said, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. How many of you would complain if God gave you a $3 million house totally paid off? Just handed it to you with a huge swimming pool overlooking a beautiful valley with on a golf course. Paid for. And you don't like it because you like your old house. And your wife says, I ain't leaving. That's what she told him. She told me that. I ain't, getting, I ain't leaving. You go live over there if you want. I'm living over here. God blessed us, and I've been praying for this our whole marriage. And she's in the pool all day long. She says, I never get out. Give somebody a high five and say, I want that gift. Well, if you're a true paymaster, you've already been giving money. Even if you don't have it, you give it, because that's what a paymaster does. Greedy people don't even tithe. Greedy people never tithe. Praise the Lord. Well, I didn't feel the love on that statement, so praise the Lord. I'm going over here because I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm over here talking to myself. Oh, you mentioned the T word. Praise the Lord. You then have writers who are gifted from God to write. You have artists who are gifted from God to create art and to have the gift of creativity on many levels. This could be choreographed things, this could be paintings, this could be music, this could be many things. You have conductors, you have music, musical writers, which are people who can write music and can heal an entire church with one song. Praise the Lord. Uh, so you have inventors, people who have a gift of inventing things. That's their gift. They invent things, 
create all kinds of wealth and then change the world. I called a man out at a church. I didn't know him from Adam. I said, sir, God's going to give you three inventions, and it's going to make you a multimillionaire. Don't forget the kingdom of God. That's all I said. I'm preaching at a church. A man comes up to me. He says, you remember me? I said, no, I don't remember you. He said, well, about 10 years ago, you called me out and said I would invent three things and become an instant millionaire. He says, I'm a, I'm, I uh, do welding, and that's my business, and I invented three things, and I became an instant millionaire. 